With all the obstacles to faith, Christians need endurance to remain faithful to Christ. Hi, I'm Femi Osabin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. In today's sermon, Endurance, taken from the book of Revelation, we will look at how in Jesus' revelation to John, there is a strong call for the recipients of the letter to endure amidst the challenges to the faith, namely religious and political influences trying to sway people away from Christ. Hopefully, this sermon will help us think through our faith and how we can endure against the challenges to the faith that we encounter today. Holding two guys in changing hand takes endurance to do such. And endurance is going to be the theme concept of today's sermon that I want us to take away. Just put on our minds. Endurance is something that we need to be who God has called us to be. And what is endurance? be described in other words patience perseverance stick to itness is the ability to maintain consistency during opposition endurance is necessary because without endurance then you waver you lose out you give up you You no longer keep whatever it is that you are supposed to maintain. And endurance requires a level of integrity, especially under stress. See, endurance holds on, it maintains, even in situations to where the person doesn't like it. So you think about what it took for you to endure to be who you are. There's some qualities that you have embodied that even in the midst of opposition, you maintain them. Some people would say it's stubbornness, uh, a thick-headedness. And that's not always bad if you are stubborn with the right thing. If you don't compromise your integrity because everybody else does, because it's the right thing to do, that's a good quality to have when you have endurance for godly things. And when we read the Bible, we see that there is this importance of having endurance, patience, that just underlines the entire biblical narrative for both God and for man. You think about the man that had endurance. Moses, Joshua, Caleb. For 40 years, they wandered in the desert with the faith that would have got them the promised land dare I say, 39 years sooner. But they endured through all of the trials, the tribulations, the 
the, the worldliness that the people of Israel presented that went against God's will and they maintained their faith. And so they got to see the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb got to live in it. You think about Jeremiah. We've been reading Jeremiah in Bible class. And Jeremiah has spoken for God and told God's people that we're going to go into exile. And because of this, he has faced persecution. He has been ridiculed. He's been imprisoned. He's been taught, called a liar. And yet, he still speaks for God. And is believed that he was impelled in Egypt because he endured through all of the trials and tribulations to be an honest spokesman for God, even in situations where people did not want to hear it. You think about Peter, how he endured, and you think about Paul, all of what he had to go through, the patience that he had with putting up with people and the letters that he wrote, and it is told that Peter and Paul, by some accounts, were both killed on the same day because of their faith in Christ. And that's just from man's perspective. And then when you think of it from a godly perspective, you think about Jesus Christ and how he endured the cross for us, for humanity. A righteous sacrifice suffered a gruesome death suffered being ridiculed by the very people he came to save because he saw that there was a purpose that God had for him. And he endured all that he had and embraced the cross so that we can have an inheritance in heaven. And you think of God. His endurance with mankind, his patience, his perseverance of maintaining relationship with us. We saw that he got threatened in the garden. He got close to the point of wiping us all out with Noah. But yet he still saw something in his people that would not totally get right that he said, I want to maintain, I want to keep, I want to have relationship with, and I'm going to do everything possible to make that a reality for them. And in doing such, he even looked past our shortcomings and provides us grace so that when history has come to a culmination with the return of Christ, we will be with him forever because he's patient with us. And so it's in anticipation of that return of Christ that I want us to consider this endurance. And thinking of this, we see that the book of Revelation is, a, is an adequate book in which to consider these thoughts. Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ given to John showing him of the things that was soon to come to pass and of the last days. 
I've heard a couple of different concepts are told to analyze this book through. One of the ones that I like is do not assimilate into the world because as powerful as the world presents itself, it's going to lead to destruction. Endure through all that is going to come about because God is actually going to bring his people into his presence. Remain faithful in this crooked generation even when it looks like the faithful are going to suffer. And so as we think about this endurance that we have to have and we look at this book, we understand that what is presented in this book is big picture view. That God is doing something in this world to bring about salvation to his people. And as that happens, there's going to be trouble in this life. There's going to be persecutions. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be death. But in the end, there's going to be a judgment. And those who do not have the mark of God will find destruction. So we have to endure through whatever we go through in this life so that we can receive the promise that God wants us to have, that he sent Jesus Christ to die to give. And there's a couple of verses that, that are going to inform these thoughts. Um, if you open up your book, look at Revelations 2 and verse 19. And this is in John's letter to Thyatira. He says, I know your works, your love, faith, service, and patient endurance. I know that your last works are greater than your first. Check out 310. And in this part, he's writing to Philadelphia. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Turn to chapter 13, verse number 10. Let everyone who has an ear listen. If you are to be taken captive into captivity, you will go. If you kill with the sword, with the sword you must be killed. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And 14.12, there's another call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and hold fast to the faith of Jesus. You see, there's something about enduring, holding on that God's going to reward, and in that holding on, we have to recognize that it's in opposition to unfaithfulness, to the problems of the world, to the things that is causing people to lose their souls. Let's look at those first two examples a little bit closer. 
And what we see is this whole book is, is to all these churches and they get to see each and every person's message. But they also get to see that we all have things we need to work on. We all have things that we're good at. But we're all called to the same. We're all called to the same level of faith and we're all given the same reward if we endure. But what does it say to this church to Thyatira? And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, faith, service, and patient endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet as in teaching and beguiling my servants to practice fornication and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her fornication. Beware, I am throwing her on a bed, and those who commit adultery with her I am throwing into great distress, unless they repent of her doings, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches minds and hearts and will give to each of you as your works deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you, I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. To everyone who conquers and continues to do my works to the end, I will give authority over the nations to rule them with an iron rod as when clay pots are shattered, even as I also received authority from my Father. To the one who conquers, I will also give the morning star. Let everyone who has an ear to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. 3 verse 7, the letter to Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make... Those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will seize your crown. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You will never go out of it. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Jesus, giving this message to these churches, 
And then in, in that message, basically what he is saying is, endure against this worldly religion that will cause you to fall away. If you hold tight to the faith, no matter what's going on in the world and what they try to profess, he talks about this Jezebel, and we know Jezebel came into Israel, and she brought Baal worship, and she enticed Ahab to go away from God, and he was worse than any other king before him. If you endure and remain faithful, you will have a reward from Jesus Christ. Philadelphia. There are some of the synagogue of Satan. I know that you have it resisted. If you maintain and continue to endure, you will get a reward from Jesus Christ. And you see, a lot of people try to make the book of Revelation something that is nice. So what they do is they look into Revelation and they try to read whatever modern time that they're in into it. So they try to make these beasts, these dragons, these things applicable to what's going on today. They make them present day world leaders. And what they do is they miss the whole point. And what I believe that Jesus is sending to John is this message that no matter what nation is in charge, my kingdom is coming. No matter what opposition you face, you have a reward if you remain faithful. And so while we might not be going against the cult of Jezebel with Baal worship, we might not have to fight against the synagogue of Satan like the church of Thyatira or the church of Philadelphia had to. We do still have to renounce worldly religion and the influence that it has on the church. We cannot let the world be the leader in how we follow God. That's the message, I believe, that's still applicable, that we could take away and still remain true to the message of Revelation. Because we have a Christ who came and who's given us a promise and who's given us a charge to endure that when we do, we will receive the same reward that all Christians will. But to do that, we can't let the world lead us in how we follow God or tell us who God is. And at times, that can be very challenging because the world appears to have all of the power at its disposal. We just saw in real time how the world, not even opposing God, suggested all house of worship should close. Now should they? I'm going to let God be the judge. But we saw the influence that the, the mindset of the world has on the church. And we don't see it just in the fact that church is closed trying to provide a safe place for their parishioners. We also see it in other avenues as well. You have doctrinal issues that slip in and that change the message of Christ. You have practices that are demonstrated in the world that people like, that are brought in, that change the method of worship. You have 
cultural influences that creep in that change the standards of Christianity. And it's all being led by the world. And if Christians do not recognize that, if Christians do not endure through all of those changes and hold tight to the faith, then what we will do is allow the world to dictate how we worship. And it'll start subtly. And it'll be destructive for our faith. But we have to maintain it because we know that we have a hope that's for real. We know that what we're following is not just some fancy fables, some myths, something that holds no substance, something that is just a pleasant word at times as some people hold their faith to. What we're actually following is the God of heaven who is providing us an eternal reward. And to re obtain that reward, we must not allow the world to dictate how we are. So we have to endure. We have to recognize the wrong and resist it. Even if that means we are the only ones opposing it. Even if that means that we think that we don't have the strength because we don't have the government on our side, because we don't have all the money with us, because we don't have the popular opinion, we have the God of heaven. And as you read this book of Revelation, one thing that's apparent is that the people that are rewarded understand that they're going against culture. That, that what they have to hold on to is going to cause them to suffer. It's going to cause them to lose out on some of the things that the world has to offer. Let's look at chapter 13 and 14 just a little bit closer. In these other situations, circumstances where we're told to endure, we were told we were encouraged in writing to Thyatira and to Philadelphia, telling them that they have done some good, but they still need to do better and that you have endured in the midst of this religious opposition that's causing some to fall away. You've done good, but listen what he writes about in 13. And in 13, what he shifts it from is not religious but political influence that will cause people to stray away. And that influence is really empowered by Satan. And he's going to call Satan the dragon, and he's going to call the religious, I mean the political world, the beast. So listen to this. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, and on its horns were ten diadems, and on its heads were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And the dragon gave it its power, 
and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have received a death blow, but its mortal wound had been healed. In amazement, the whole earth followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? The beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwellings, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all the inhabitants of the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slaughtered. Let everyone who has an ear listen. If you are to be taken captive into captivity, you will go. If you kill with the sword, with the sword you must be killed. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Now jump down to 14.6. You see, in opposition to this worldly power that's going to cause people to fall away, there's a heavenly power that's going to save those who endure. Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who has made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Then another angel, a second followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then another angel, the third, followed them crying with a loud voice. Those who worship the beast and its image and receive a mark on their foreheads or on their hands, they will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured unmixed into the cup of his anger, and they will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image and for anyone who receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and hold fast to the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who from now on die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, you will rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. You see, we have to endure because we're going to suffer from one side or the other. If you endure, this world has a power that God allows it to utilize while this world maintains. And that's going to cause for the suffering of saints. That's going to cause for a persecution on those who oppose the worldly way of thinking and being. But if you don't endure, you're going to suffer eternally 
and you're going to drink the full wrath of God's anger and lose out on the salvation that he has given us. And so as Christians, we have to figure it out. Where do we really want to sit? With man? And face opposition from God? Or with God? And embrace the opposition that's going to come from this world. And I would encourage us all to endure. Hold fast to faith. Because there's a lot of things that's testing you. And as we're in the world right now to where there is a heightened sensitivity to the fact that we can die just from being in the presence of somebody who may be infected with a disease that we don't have a cure for, it causes us to consider what it is we really believe, why it is we really follow God, and what does that really look like in our lives. Because it's not just a matter of continuing to go to church when everybody else has shut their doors. Because we could just be here and it really has no benefit for us because our faith is not being demonstrated in all aspects of our lives. And so I encourage us to consider what does it look like to endure for us personally? What does it mean to resist the influences of the world in our personal lives in regards to our relationships with friends, with family, to government, to our work, to our social interactions and and the things that we profess, the, the media we consume, the messages that we, we portray, What does it look like to hold on to faithfulness and resist what the world is selling us, trying to influence us to be? Because there is really a reward coming for those who are of Christ, and there's really a punishment for those who do not endure in the midst of all of this worldliness and ungodly opposition. You see, we we must understand that our endurance first gets played out in our religion. Because that's the basis for everything in how we shape ourselves. How we relate to God informs how we relate to others and how we relate to this world. And if we do not understand God correctly, we cannot understand how to be God's properly and so we learn to discern right from wrong from what the world says is the proper way to follow or who to worship and what God says and in doing that we realize that in doing what God calls us to is not easy but we hold on fast because it will provide eternal benefits for our so, so we must endure because the only alternative is failure. If we don't hold fast 
to what God is calling us to, if we let go of this faith that Jesus Christ died to give us, we go to hell like the rest of the world. And we don't want that because we know that there really is a God and he has a reward for us. And in recognizing that, we see the evilness in this world, so we flee it. And we flee it at all costs, even if that means it puts us in uncomfortable situations. Even if it means that we are ostracized, outcast, persecuted, because we do not buy into what the world is selling. So we don't accept that there is truth outside of Christ that lead to some better understanding of God. We don't accept that we have to conform religiously to the ways of the world to be accepted by God. We don't even accept that that will give us God's approval. So even if it means we have to suffer, we're willing to embrace that. As John wrote his book, he told them that if you take the mark of the beast, and that mark of the beast really meant that they had to go worship a pagan god and receive a mark so that they could go and buy food. If you take that, you are giving up on your spiritual home. So even if it means that we have to suffer in this body, we embrace that so we can be what God called us to be. And we endure because others before us have. And we look to the faith of our forefathers. We look to the faith of our fellow brothers and sisters and we're encouraged by that. We learn from it. And we also encourage each other through it. Because we see we're not alone. We see that what we are going through is not uncommon, is not new. And at times, we do need to be strengthened. We do need to be encouraged by seeing that others have made it as well. But we can endure because others have. And we endure because we have a better hope. No matter what we find in this world, we have a better hope in Christ. Whatever comforts that this world presents to us pale in comparison to the eternal salvation that we have in God and heaven because we denied it. That's why we can endure. And we endure because we really know that no matter how bad it gets, God is in control. No matter how ugly it looks, God is in control. And if God's in control, I'll do what he asked me to do. No matter if it looks like the beast and the dragon have all the power because they don't. 
because God is in control. And Jesus demonstrated his control when he, of his own volition, went to the cross. And he conquered death, showing us that we too will conquer death. And that losing this life, while it might hurt us in this flesh, shouldn't prohibit us from being willing to give it up for God. Because he's in control. And the more we understand that and the more we learn to endure, the easier it gets. Just like anything else, when you start off it's hard. But the more time you put to it, the, the, the more you commit to it, it gets easier. It gets easier. And God's given us the spirit to make it easier. And so that's why we can't endure. Because we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with the God of heaven who created us and who's calling us and who's going to ensure our salvation no matter what we have to go through because he loves us. Because he's patient with us. He knows where he's brought us from and he knows what he's bringing us to. And it's not too far of a goal for him to cross us into salvation because he loves us. So we can endure because God wants us to. The real question that we have to ask is, are we willing to endure for salvation? I hope that answer is yes, and I hope that when this is all said and done and this life is over, we'll see each other and recognize each other in heaven, and we'll say that the time that we spent on this earth with each other helped us to get to heaven. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon in the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.